When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The names behind the numbers. The stories behind the names. This is the Her Hoop Stats Podcast with John Little. I like to empower. I don't, I, I never see limits. And, uh, you know, obviously I, I didn't take the natural path, you know, to where I'm at. And so I've had to see myself uh, without limits. The biggest newsmakers, the best storytellers, the Her Hoop Stats podcast. Here's your host, John Little. Hey there, welcome back. Welcome into the Her Hoop Stats podcast. I'm your host, John Little. Good to have you here for another week as we continue to march on toward the NCAA women's college basketball season. Always, we remind you whether you listen to the unplugged version, uh, you've listened to the courtside version, or you listen to this version of the Her Hoop Stats podcast, make sure you rate and review and share with your friends because it always helps. We've got Scott Ruick on the show, the head coach of the Oregon State Beavers. We're going to get to him in just a moment. But first off, a little disclosure for you, or you know, just to let you know, a programming note, non-women's basketball related. So I do apologize for that, but I'm going to be on ESPN2 tonight or uh, tomorrow night or whenever you listen to this. This is going to be Tuesday night. You're going to be able to watch me election night. You know, I'm not doing women's basketball. I wish I was, uh, but I've got a shuffleboard tournament of all things. Shuffleboard that I did play-by-play for, and it's going to air on ESPN2, 8 Eastern time, so 5 Pacific time on Tuesday evening. So basically, they're turning ESPN2 into the Ocho for a night, kind of counter-programming the election. So if you want to get away from all the election stuff and have some fun, for about an hour come on over let's have some fun watching shuffleboard together on espn2 scott ruick is our guest the head coach of the oregon state beavers had a really good time talking with him about uh, some of the players that will have to step up as michaela pivik is now gone from the program uh, graduating after her incredible career at oregon state and now they 
kind of rebuild the roster. We've got some returning pieces back, have some pieces that weren't available last year, but were on the roster, and then uh, some transfers in as well. And we get into all that, and there's a reason to be excited again for Oregon State women's basketball. Here's our conversation with Scott Ruick. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Man, it's good to talk to you. It's good that uh, we're now less than a month until uh, NCAA basketball can get underway. But give us a sense right now of your day-to-day practice situation. I'm sure it was slow to get into the flow of things, but do you feel like you're kind of in a flow now as you get ready for the season? We're excited, and, and it's uh it's awesome to hear you say a month away. Um, it, we wondered if it would happen uh, based upon the way the spring ended, the way the summer went and, and the fall. And, and um, so it's been a journey of transitioning from s- such limited access, even to a facility um, to our, the access to our players was limited. And now to, to be able to play basketball again these last three weeks for us has been really encouraging. Um, I'm so thankful for, you know, the people that operate um, our medical staff um, and the people that are navigating, you know, the parameters that we have to operate within. They've just done a phenomenal job to allow us to participate. And so we finished our 10th practice yesterday um, that, and everything feels normal along those lines. And we're, we're excited uh, to continue to progress as we uh, approach a game. Is there anything that stands out to you as far as any unique way that you've approached this time? Like, um, have you had to practice maybe at times in smaller groups or, you know, away from practice? Are you having them hang out in smaller groups or not at all? How uh, things like that, is there any unique way or unique guidance that you've tried to give your team? Well, I, I think in general, just being smart. Uh, I mean, that's what we've talked about. And it, to be honest, it's what we talk about every year is, you know, do what you're supposed to do and keep it simple, be smart. And you understand that, you know, what's at stake here. Uh, we need to remain as healthy as possible, put ourselves as, in as little of, of risk as possible um, in our, you know, just every, every moment of our regular life. And then we can have the opportunity to come together and participate. And, and so our team's done an outstanding job of that. Our staff has as well. And so we've been able to maximize within the parameters, you know, the opportunities that have been available, meaning um, July 20th, we were able to start with, um, you know, four hours a week workouts. Yes, we were, we were masked, we were distanced. Um, It was not live in any way other than skills and drills. And we did that for a total of eight weeks. Um, That included a a couple weeks after school started in August, oh, excuse me, September and then once we were able to start practice, um, you know, there was just this natural progression. And so um, the masks and the distance were obviously different. That would certainly set us behind a bit um, from the live skills that we would do and, and the live action that we would typically, you know, use to teach during those stretches. But uh, the team did a great job uh, in the weight room, did a great job staying, um, you know, they just have great work ethics. And that's pretty typical of our team. They're responsible young women, and they've done a, a great job preparing themselves so that when we could go live, um, they it seemed pretty normal, and it has. Well, that's great. Is there anything you did, especially considering just the number of new players that you're going to be leaning upon uh, this year to introduce the system to them um, from afar, 
uh, or, you know, kind of uh, giving them a, a, a pseudo playbook type thing to study? Or is that not necessary? We, we Zoomed with them. Um, we we over communicated. That was just obviously necessary. As soon as, soon as we were we were separated last spring, you know, and that obviously did not include our new players and new students, but um, it, it was so evident that communication was instantly at a premium. I mean, even for those, our staff, we communicated at a level we hadn't been because you see each other every day. There's days where you see each other and you feel like you've communicated, but you really haven't. And, and so I, that was one of the silver lining takeaways of the spring. And then that continued through the summer where the team had a text thread that they'd send a message each day and that rotated around the team. And, and so we, we really bonded through the summer virtually. And then once we were able to come together, it was, it was as if there was just a deeper level of foundation than even normal in place and a deeper understanding. And so everybody, I think, recognizes that we're all going through a strange time. That's a common bond and a common thread. And from a basketball standpoint, um, you know, I, I don't know if it wasn't like we sent out our, a playbook or anything like that. Uh, we communicated the things necessary so that they were ready when that was that aspect of, of the process, um, you know, was next. And, and they've picked up things quickly. And, and I think we're seeing the benefit of that foundation laid um, on a daily basis now. And that takes leadership. Who's emerging as a leader for you, especially considering uh, you lose Michaela plus a host of other seniors, even a top junior? And now, you know, you kind of get that sense of now what? I'm sure that's not the way that your staff looks at it. But who's leading for you right now? Who have you been happy with from that aspect? Yeah, well, Aaliyah Goodman right off the top. I mean, Aaliyah has been such a huge player for us over the years and just has had a huge part um, in our program. She's a coach uh, in her, the way she approaches the game. Her mind is, is as sharp as anybody I've coached um, or in throughout, this is going to be year 25 for me. And, and she understands the game. She understands people. She's got a high standard. Um, she was a freshman when Marie Gulich, one of the, you know, she's, she's had great people to learn from while she's been here. Marie set the bar for her and Taya Corsdale as well are both of our two four-year players in our program this year. Taya's a redshirt junior, uh, but they both learned from Marie their freshman year. And I can see a lot of that in Aaliyah and how vocal she is, how she sets that bar every day, you know, and I'm also a coach that's, that's never been too scared of new. Um, I, I, I don't mind um, new. I think those are just great opportunities for people to step in into big roles. And certainly, you know, we did have a lot of turnover this year, um, but that's, that's college sports, you know, and I'm, I'm excited about the opportunities that this team has, and I'm excited about the talent we have in the gym, but we're in good hands with Aaliyah and Taya. Outstanding. Well, as far as Aaliyah goes, um, a really good three and D player consistent there for you. Is there any place that, that she can take it to with this particular grouping of players? Well, I think you're, you're going to see her even even more impactful just because of her leadership ability. Uh, she's a galvanizing presence, understands our system so well, understands the way we operate, understands what it takes to win and, and compete in the biggest games at the biggest moments. Um, she certainly 
has come up big in a lot of big situations throughout her career. Uh, so she just provides strength. And I think, you know, when you lose, you know, Michaela, uh, when you lose Cat Tudor, Maddie, Janessa, Destiny, when you lose those types of players, you know, um, that becomes, you know, that void um, has to be filled. And when it's filled by somebody like Aaliyah, uh, my goodness. I mean, she, she's going to have a massive impact on, on what we do this year. And so as far as her game, um, you know, she just, she's had an incredible off season. Um, she understands what's at stake this year for her, um, and has worked like you would hope anybody going into their senior year would. And so she's in the best shape of her life. She's, she's, her skill has, uh, just continued to develop and, uh, it, I'm just so proud of her because you can just see her stepping in courageously um, to the leadership role, and uh, she just puts everybody at ease every day. I'm sure that's just so fun to see. Before we get into some of your newcomers, you talked about embracing change, embracing the new, not being afraid of the new. Let's talk about that. Where does that come from for you? Did you have a, a good experience maybe early in your coaching career where, uh, you know, you uh, you lost a bunch of players? And I'm, I know you've been through it at Oregon State as well. But uh, where does that come from for you? Yeah, through experience, for sure. Uh, you know, I'm a teacher at heart. And so I'm I'm not someone who who. I mean, I like to empower. I don't, I, I never see limits. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously I'm, I'm, I didn't take the natural path, you know, to where I'm at. And so I've had to see myself uh, without limits. And, and so I look back on my experiences, like you mentioned, um, you know, in my previous job at George Fox, uh, my two best seasons in my 14 years there, um, we're both with 10 true freshmen on the roster. <laughs> um, you know, our national championship there came with 10 true freshmen and no returning starters. And then coming down here to Oregon State and, you know, basically building this from the ground up. In that first year, we had to do things that nobody thought was possible. And we had to rise and see a team believe in themselves that they belonged and they could compete when no one else thought they could. And, and so that, that has been ingrained in me. Um, you know, so when I see, you know, some people would, would say, ah, oh, they're just freshmen. I'm like, oh, I love coaching freshmen. You know, I just love it. They're, they, they're just so excited to compete and play and learn. And, 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 you know, you can, I just instill confidence in them. I'm like, yes, you can. And it's, it's a year of your life. It's, it's not just a, an introductory year. This is, this could be a great year for you. And so these are my expectations. And then I coach them as if they're juniors or seniors. And, and that's what my expectations are, you know? And so I think that belief uh, bleeds out uh, to where even our team, our upperclassmen um, expect big things from our younger players. And that goes for new players to our program, even, you know, with our, with our two transfers as well. How did you see that um, out of Taylor Jones last year? How did she uh, take, uh, you know, that charge and uh, kind of run with it to the tune of, you know, being one of the best defensive players in the conference and uh, about a 12-8 and eight player, just her first time out there in front of incredible competition? Just another example, you know, of just that. Uh, she was uh, so ready, so excited, um, has high expectations, uh, came here to to make an impact day one 
and earned it and then ran with it and was really, you know, thrown to the wolves in many ways. Um, Yelena Mitrovic, uh, you know, we thought at some point would would be able to play last year. That didn't happen. And then when Kennedy Brown went down, um, that put Taylor's role at even more of a premium um, to develop, play longer minutes. And she stepped right up into it, um, was coachable through to a point where, I mean, she was having to do things that you normally would expect a junior or senior to be great at. And, um, you know, the confidence that the team had in her, the expectation we had, and then her core belief in herself, uh, it was just a beautiful thing to watch. And when it all came together, you know, I mean, it's, it was special and it was a sign of great things. And so that just has built her foundation, um, you know, to a point where the expectations for her, that she has for herself are extremely high. Um, but she's earned that. Uh, there's no doubt she has. And you bring up Yelena Mitrovic. Uh, what is her status right now? Is she going to be ready to contribute for you this year? Yeah, she she got all the way back right at the end of the season. Um, she was able to practice with us. And so we saw flashes of what she was capable of still, you know, recovering from injury, not not all the way back uh, conditioning wise. And so she's had a phenomenal offseason, worked hard, extremely hard. And she she will have an impact this year, no question. She's ready to play. Um, she's, uh, you know, just such a versatile player at 6'9", able to step out, shoot the three, um, passes incredibly well and just understands the game. And so she's a she's a basketball player that happens to be 6'9". She's not just a, a you know, 6'9", that plays basketball. And so Yellen is a special talent. Now let's dive into that just a little bit more. You know, six nine is wonderful, but there are times where six foot nine or you know a, a large player that has basically one skill set can kind of gum things up for you, at least on the offensive end of the floor. I would think. Yeah, um, I've never minded those uh, the bigs. You know, <laughs> we've had a lot here. I, you know, I've always had one of the it seems one of the taller teams and. As, as ironic as that is and and um you know i i think a a good skilled big is just so hard to find and it's so important i think well yelena you know ideally everybody on your team can move out and i mean i'd love to coach a team that has five point guards no matter their size and and yelena has a lot of point guard skill to her um she's very comfortable hitting the trail three um, she's an incredible passer from out there, handles the ball like a guard and also then has the ability to go in and impact things around the rim. And, and so, uh, her versatility is what makes her, um, you know, just such a special threat. And, um, she just will, she's just going to be an exciting player for all of us to watch. How do you feel like, uh, Ellie Mack is going to transition into your program? Well, I think Ellie's a perfect fit. And when I saw her name, you know, uh, on, on Twitter, actually, uh, I know Aaron Russell, who recruited her to Bucknell very well. And I called Aaron and I, and I said, you know, what's going on here? And he said, you know, this is her situation. And I'm like, I'm, I'm all in on her. <laughs> I've watched her because I watched Aaron's teams when I could. And, and you know, she's so skilled. Ellie is a beautiful three-point shooter she's just a beautiful basketball player um she is a guard uh she has the ability to go inside and be physical uh but deep range uh, knowledge she plays at where the game is slow she reads things well and so 
there's question I know from from people, can she play, you know, at this level? And I don't think there's no well, there's no doubt. Nobody, nobody in this program that's been around her for the last few months has any doubt that Ellie Mack belongs at the power five level. And so she's versatile. She can play, you know, the three, four shoot in certain situations. We could we could slide her to the five. And so from a cerebral professional just integrity standpoint she's just a you know just a gift to any team that she's on and so couldn't be more excited well you talk about the new and that's just you know a different version of new you you know you're kind of blessed with a player that's seasoned that's been a leader that's been a player of the year in their conference and now they get a chance to to prove themselves I, I guess at that largest level at at the best in the best conference in women's college basketball over the last few seasons uh, what have you talked with her about what has she talked with you about as far as just elevating her game and and how that challenges her personally well, I think there's been there's been questions um, regarding defense. You know, there are questions regarding athleticism, questions about those types of things. Can I hang? Those types of things. So, you know, it's just her understanding how to make an impact where the athleticism is greater, and that's a process. I mean, I've I've coached players just like Ellie. Um, I've coached players that you know, have had to learn to adapt to those things and find their niche and then not only their niche, but find their strength within it and their advantage within it. And, and so that whole process has been so fun knowing, you know, she's also someone that is interested in coaching someday. So, you know, to come compete at the highest level in what we believe is the best conference in this sport, um, is only going to enhance your game. If you want to play professionally, if you want to coach, you know, and then she's going to prove something to herself that she's going to carry with her the rest of her life. And so that's fun to be a part of. Oh, it's going to be exciting to see. I'd like to just get behind the, the curtain with you just for a second, just knowing that this offseason has been so weird in so many ways, and now we're a month away from the season, and it's very rare that you look out there and a team has got their full schedule released at this point. It's just um, so difficult uh, to to have that put together. What process have you been through, um, and and you anticipate you know other um, uh, coaches at your level ha- have been through in in trying to assemble a schedule uh, in this unique year? Well, it has been, it has been, it's still interesting. Um, as you mentioned, uh, you know, our schedule has not been released. I think we're getting close. Um, you know, we're, we're minimizing non-conference games, um, you know, for the sake of health, um, and safety and which is understandable. Um, you know, and, and so operating with the PAC 12 office, operating with our officers here on campus and our administration to, to figure out who we can play in a non-conference way safely that meets all the parameters and guidelines has been challenging, uh, but it's possible. And, you know, we're here for these students. We want them to have a phenomenal season and year. We want to create those opportunities for them to compete. And, you know, it, it has taken extra work and we're grateful for all those who are making it possible for us. And so we realize that it's most likely going to be disrupted at some point as we go. We're seeing that. Um, it's, it's most likely going to continue um, throughout the year, which is going to be very strange, like you mentioned, and very odd. And it's going to be a, a test of, of being adaptable and flexible and, and adjusting. And, um, you know, so it we're, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, it, it's just a, 
it's it's what life has handled handed us and i think if anybody's learned anything right now it's that it's life is fragile um we're here to make make the most out of it and control what we can control and stick together through it and that's what what certainly what we're committed to doing a couple of weeks ago, I had the pleasure to talk to Coach Close down at UCLA. Uh, just a, a great conversation with her. And she talked about, uh, I thought this was really interesting, this meeting that probably about a decade ago, and I'm guessing that you were a part of it because, you know, you're, you're right in that 10-year range like she is, um, where uh, some, some Pac-12 coaches uh, got together. It may have been Pac-10 at that point. And, it, you know, the perspective was that you guys weren't a very good Power 5 or power six women's basketball um, uh, unit, uh, you know, as a whole. And you needed to do different things to try to elevate everyone's program, the whole conference. And that was going to help, you know, the, the, the rising tide lifts all ships. Uh, do you know what, uh, what she's talking about there? Do you think you were present for that? And what's your thought on that? Just the way uh, that the coaches have banded together in this league uh, to make it what most people feel is, is the toughest league out there. Well, I know I, I was, I think I was in here a year before Corey. Um, I remember a meeting that we had at one point at the final four, one year where we discussed scheduling and, you know, getting teams into the tournament. And that was that we, we believed that we were, we were better than people thought. Um, we, we felt as though um, there was more teams were probably worthy of tournament of the NCAA tournament than we got in at the time. And so we looked at scheduling. That was one thing that, that we collaborated on just to make sure we were on the same page and, and, and doing the best we could to position ourselves to be selected. And I think that the conference has done a really nice job of that. Uh, the PAC 12 network certainly has helped with exposure over the years. Our sport has really benefited and then, you know, just the quality of play. Uh, if you look at the trend of, of coaches hired in the Pac-12 has been proven head coach. Um, you know, not that that's the only way, for sure. I mean, you look at Adia Barnes. Adia had not been a head coach previously, and she certainly turned out to be a success. Um, but proven head coach has, has been successful in our conference. Um, Seal Berry mentioned to us in our our last Pac-12 uh, spring meeting that she was on as our liaison before her retirement, uh, former Colorado coach and senior women's administrator, uh, that she believed that this group might be the best group of coaches um, in the country in a conference. And, and, you know, when you think about it, it's hard to argue. It, it, if you look at the different styles that we play, uh, the consistency that we have now, very little turnover. Um, there are cultures built, and now we're recruiting from all over the world, and we're we're recruiting the best players from all over the world to the West Coast and in this conference. And so, um, yeah, so I think it has been, but we do talk about it in our meetings, um, and we do collaborate when it's appropriate. Uh, and it's been really fun to be a part of. And I'm I'm I have loved. You know, this is going to be my 11th year. Um, and seeing a conference that had a hard time getting more than two teams sometimes into the tournament. Now, you know, we could argue that we should have, I mean, last year I was, I was the Raider um, or our representative for the regional advisory committee. 
uh, we, we could argue that we could have eight or nine in and uh, have a legitimate argument for that. And so it's been a pleasure to be a part of. For sure. And, and one final question for you, and uh, this kind of goes off that, is um, she brought up negative recruiting and, and not doing that, you know, not bashing other programs. Um, do, do you experience that in the, in the Pac-12 that there is, you know, not necessarily you can't sell your own program. You should always try to do that. But when you're going up against some other team in the league, you know, you don't want to, uh, you know, bash them negatively, uh, no smear campaigns, that sort of thing. How, how big is, is that? And what's the, the key to that? And how does it help? <laughs> well, it's <laughs> a great question. Um, I don't believe in it. I don't think it's necessary. Um, I know it happens. Uh, of course it happens. Uh, that, you know, we're dealing with, with humans and, um, and some people operate different than others. Uh, you know, I, I think, uh, well, what I believe is every student has a place they should be and there is a best fit out there. And my hope is that they find it. And I do everything I can to find the ones that I feel is this is the best fit. And then we go all in with those. Well, if that's the case and that's what I believe, I don't need to talk negatively about anybody else. Um, there's, I, I don't think that makes me uh, appear in a good light to them. I don't think it's what I stand for in my life. It's not a core belief I have. It's, in fact, it's a principle that I disagree with. And, and so, um, yeah, so there's that, certainly that temptation in each situation where you can hear someone, you know, um, maybe liking something that uh, you kind of know at your core might not be best for them. And, and so you have the option to go with them and say it or to continue to talk about what you can provide and, and why you might be the best, best fit. Um, what my career has taught me is it's completely unnecessary to talk about another school, another program. You, you, it doesn't, you don't need to, um, uh, you don't need to do anything, but sell what you have, um, play within the rules, play within the rules of your own integrity um, and good things are going to happen to you and the right people will find your program. And um, that's what's worked for me. And, and so that's, that's my belief on that, but that certainly is an interesting subject. Coach Ruick, I really appreciate it. Uh, just a f- another fantastic conversation. I, I uh, appreciate you being a part of the podcast today and, and wish you guys the best as you uh, start the uh, takeoff session here within the uh, next month or so. Well, I appreciate that. And, and it's great to be with you. Thanks for the time today. Uh, we're excited about the team we have. Um, you know, like you said, some new people, but, uh, you know, this is another special group at Oregon State, and we're excited about our potential and uh, feel like we'll be a tough out uh, as it comes together this year. And so uh, thank you for the time, and uh, go Beavs. There's Scott Ruick, the head coach of Oregon State, and it's going to be interesting to see what kind of season they have. Obviously, the Pac-12 is always difficult. We got into that. But a coach who loves a challenge, I'm all up for that. And I was absolutely inspired to hear him talk about how he just, you know, kind of keeps plugging. And some of his most successful years have been when he's had a roster that hasn't necessarily been Uh, a ton of returners they do have a lot of seniors that they lost off last year's team but it'll be entertaining to see how all those pieces come together so thanks to coach ruick we've got some other shows that are lined up for you that we'll be bringing to you before the start of the regular season later on this month we have reached the month 
of women's college basketball. So let's count it down. The executive producer of the Her Hoop Stats podcast is Aaron Barzalai. Susie Solis is our announcer and our music by Jared Deck. JaredDeckMusic.com. I'm your host, John Little, reminding you at the Her Hoop Stats podcast, we are unlocking better insight about the women's game. Her Hoop Stats. Stats.